I actually really like it. <laughs> Even though I made fun of it last week. <laughs> it's not that funny. It was funny at first, and then it got cooler, so I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, you have to wait for I the... I like it. You have to wait for the beat drop. And now it's our podcast, so... Yeah. It's our podcast music, so... It yeah. It's chill. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Which on this rainy day, it's exactly what we need. Yeah. Would, what would you call this music? Jazzy? I don't know. Jazzy. Ooh. <laughs> I call this lo-fi hip-hop. Lo? What does that even mean? Lo-fi. You never heard of that? No. It's like... I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait. What was the what was the thing that Kent was looking up? Lush music. Lush and atmospheric. <laughs> yes, this is maybe lush. this is lush. Lush and, and atmospheric. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody, to Student Ministry for Parents. I'm John. I'm Susan. And we are back with our second second episode of biblical application into the lives of adolescent drama. I think so. That sounds good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I couldn't really remember when you said that. I yeah, I don't like, know. My mind went blank. Yeah. So uh, this is episode two. This is jumping off the bridge. We're going to talk about the power of influence and what that does to us and to teenagers and to everybody else around us. So Susan, I want to start off with a question like I normally do. Bring it on. Do you remember the last time you were convinced of buying something that you really did not need to buy? Oh gosh. Well, yes. I'm like, I am the person they do things like QVC for. <laughs> I actually was just talking to someone about this the other day because, um, because what is it called? Multi-level marketing is such a thing now, um, on Facebook and those kind of things that I'm like, these things were created for me. Cause I, what do you mean by that? Like multi-level marketing. Multi, sorry, You're I just, just sounding like, like Kent. I'm so <laughs> I have no idea what that means. You're so, so someone was saying recently that um, th people sell so many things on Facebook now. And someone was saying that has become the mall kiosk of Facebook. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, I was created for the mall kiosk. And I was just telling someone one of the worst things I ever got talked into is I happened to make eye contact with someone selling <laughs> lotion from the Dead Sea. What? <laughs> yes. And they made me come wash my hands in the kiosk in the mall. I did a soaps, a salt scrub from the Dead Sea because obviously. Okay, know. so you took salt from the Dead Sea. From the Dead Sea. Okay. And my hands actually felt amazing. So I bought like $100 worth of lotion because I didn't know how to tell them no. What? <laughs> so the salt scrub. <laughs> and the lotion. How did you make Dead Sea lotion? I don't know. It Is was it very like convincing. Fish? It was very convincing. I don't know. I felt a little pressured into it, obviously. I don't even know what lotion is. Like, if I were to make lotion in general, like... I don't know, but it was it was someone who was, like, from Israel explaining it to me, and it seemed really cool. Are you sure they were from Israel? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so convincing, and my hands felt so good. I was like... You're right. They do feel better. So I was like, I guess I should buy that. But I, I'm also the kind of person I'm like, once I'm trapped, a man came to our door and tried to sell me steaks. And I almost said yes, just to make him leave. But then Kent came out and helped me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's yeah, why. So, you know, I'm, I'm maybe not the best person. To ask. Yeah. How many Cutco products have you bought? <laughs> <laughs> a couple. I have a very nice cheese knife. If yeah. You need to borrow. Well, I, I mean, I have a whole Cutco set. You know why I, I bought a whole set? I, I bought a whole set so I can now turn down every Cutco salesman. 
<laughs> yeah. He was like, sorry, I've already got the set. I have everything. And they try to sell me like stuff on top of it. I'm like, I do not know how to cook. I don't need any more <laughs> knives than the basic set. But I have, there's like always a lot of students that graduate and then become like Cutco salesmen. And so it's like. And you want to support them. Oh, and then totally. It's like, totally. Oh. And they're like, well, I get paid if I just come and do a showing. And I'm like, great. I'll come watch you like sell me something. This is, it's always really funny. And then at the end I go, thanks. I'll see you later. I've already got my <laughs> set. I'm good to go. So I get that. I, I, I buy stuff like that every once in a while. What would you say the um, convincing factor is for you? Like to buy something that oh. you didn't want to buy. Oh, guilt. Guilt? <laughs> for me, I would say guilt. But I think I'm also someone I'm easily convinced. So I think if you're a good salesman, you convince me that I need it. And so I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. I do. Those, um, it's not QVC. It's the, <laughs> what is it? As seen on TV products. The yeah. ones that are never actually in the store, but they're like. Yeah. At TJ Maxx on like the bottom shelf. Like it's a like, Snuggie. Yes. Or yeah. like there's like a special mop that like only gets in the corner of your ceiling. It's like for cleaning out cobwebs and stuff. And I was okay. like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, I need that. Yes. So it's like if someone's face to face with me, it's guilt. Yeah. But things like on TV that I have no like personal investment in, I'm like, that actually makes sense to me. Like, yeah. I probably need that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. I'm a bit of a sucker for ads as well. <laughs> um, when I go like to a restaurant or whatever, all I need is the picture on the front oh, of the menu. Yes. And it's like, I'll just eat that. that I was great. just talking about that. We just went to First Watch, and before I knew I was going to be with people, I was probably too excited to look at the menu. So yeah. I was like, I'll look at the menu before. And I get so excited, I'll look at the white space because I can't, I can't focus when I'm with other people. I'm like, I just want to talk. Yeah. And I looked, and there was a picture of a breakfast hash that I ended up getting because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that yeah. if I hadn't seen the picture. That's all I need. And, that, and that's why when you open up, like, any internet browser now, it's just ads after ads after ads. And it's mm. kind of hysterical. <laughs> and and I ha we have to tell a story about... It was one Sunday morning. We were talking about the parts of the pig make oh, what? So creepy. It makes what part of meat? You know, John asked this question to the kids. What, yeah. Do well, you know what part? Sunday school. Sunday school with John. <laughs> where does bacon come from? <laughs> and uh, it was what? That night or the next oh, day? It, no, it was. So John asked that. At, what is Sunday school? 8, 45, 9 o'clock. And I texted you probably like 1 p.m. Because it, it was before SNF. Yeah. And I, there was an ad on Facebook for me, and it was just a picture of a cartoon pig with the the pieces, <laughs> the slabs of meat cut yeah. out for each part of the pig, and I screenshot it to John. I was like, they're listening to yeah. us. Ah, it yeah. was weird. It's crazy. It's like, weird. Our phones it's are listening effective. to us. You can somehow create some filters, but they're – Inevitably, they're just listening. People will give me a hard time because I have, like, an Alexa speaker. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, that's really bold of you to have in your home. And I'm like, I have a phone. So <laughs> same thing. they're listening all the time. So creepy. But, like, these people, they know that we are easy to be influenced and convinced of things, which is why totally. they do this. Um, in this sense, it was helpful. It was like we were looking for an answer or something, and they provided the answer for us through the pig. <laughs> right which I could have just Googled myself, but Google's getting so ahead of the game that they're like, let us just send you that answer. 
makes me feel weird. Yeah. So, but it makes it makes me think that we're just people of influence. Like we're susceptible to being influenced in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. um, and it's healthy for us to find filters and to figure out what is worth being influenced over and what is not. For this episode, we're, we want to talk about how teenagers are the most susceptible to influence. Mm. So it's, it's kind of um, a time of life where a kid is no longer a kid and is becoming what they'll say an emerging adult. So they're kind of children, uh, but they're kind of adults at the same time. So sometimes, and this is true when you come to like a youth group, You'll see them acting like children when we play a game. <laughs> but then our level of teaching is well beyond like children. And we're, we're kind, of, kind of talking to adults, but we have to relate it to children in some sense. Um, and then they want the authority and the power and the freedom that an adult gets. But we have to often remind them that they're not quite there yet. So when it comes to being influenced, they're very, very vulnerable to that. Do you remember, you know, growing up and having influence from other people, Susan? Totally. I was actually just having a conversation with a parent and a student in different families about for girls when you hit, I'd say, seventh, eighth grade, the influence of brands. Yeah. It starts to be a thing, which has never, you've never cared about that before. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a mom saying, like, I totally remember – um, you know, I'm, I was growing up in the mid nineties and like everybody had Timberlands, those giant hiking boots. Nobody was hiking anywhere, Yeah. but like you were cool if you had Timberlands. And I remember being like, mom, I have to have these boots. And they were so expensive. They're like $200. They're so expensive because they're hiking boots. They're not like fashion boots. And they're like steel toed and meant to drop concrete on them. Exactly. But, um, I would say that has not gone away. You know, I'm sure that's been for decades, but like, yes, I feel like brands for girls, that's like the first thing I remember being like a dividing piece, you know, like uh, I need that. So I basically, when you're growing up at that point, you don't want anything that makes you stand out differently. (laughs) It's like, I just want to blend in and look good and look cool. Yeah. And that, and you start to care about that. Yeah. Can you, can you remember a time when you made a decision that wasn't influenced? Like you made your very own decision on something. Like as a teenager? Uh, well, you could just say as at any age. Uh, I mean, I think I became pretty independent in my thinking in high school. Like yeah. I was, I feel like, <laughs> I feel weird saying this, but I guess I got confident. Yeah. And then I didn't really care what people thought. Yeah. And um, I was probably a little freer. Yeah. I think when you, f- I think when you realize that, um, gosh, I don't know how to say this. It's like, I think you feel, I always explain it. Like, I feel like when you're in middle school, it feels like your nerves are exposed and you feel like everyone is watching every move you make. And it's just not true. You know, it's yeah. like, everybody's so worried about themselves. They're actually not paying that much attention to you. And I think I started to realize I didn't have as much power as I thought it has. Like everyone is not making a journal of what I'm wearing every day, like, you know, and so that you know of, <laughs> I know, well, it would be a short journal. That's cause you know, I wear my uniform, Yeah, my running we shorts and my, uh, we all wear, yeah, you know? And so I think when I realized like, you don't have that much power in anyone else's life, it freed me up to be like, 
I don't care what I look like. I don't care if I don't have cool clothes. Like, yeah. And it was weird to see how when you felt that freedom, I think people are kind of attracted to that. It wasn't yeah. like, then it was like, <laughs> then I entered the wilderness, you know, it was like, no, I still had friends and I was accepted. And, um, I think freeing myself up in that way actually was like a really powerful thing in my own story of yeah. not caring as much like, Oh gosh, what do they think of me? Yeah. Cause I'd been so bound by that as a people pleaser and as just how I made. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I started to think about this question, like when did I start making my own decisions and become more independent? And you know, it, it really is when you come out of adolescence in the sense where you're, you start to establish who you are, and you stand firm and be like, I'm not listening to anybody. Like, I'm an adult now. I can figure this out. Um, and every adult's a little bit different. But in, in the most part, it's like when we reach adulthood, that is really when we start to become less influenced by things. Mm-hmm. But then I started to think about it even more. It's like, well, even every single decision I make is influenced in some capacity, is it by not? By something. Yeah. yeah. And so we it, it made me realize, like, we're just beings who are meant to be influenced mm-hmm. when we get old enough we establish who is worth influencing us mm-hmm. um, and it's at that adolescent stage that age like 12 to 24 and this is backed up by brain science and lo- a lot of studies in that adolescent stage they're actually saying you know that is the time of life where teenagers are establishing who is worth influencing me mm-hmm. And that's really scary in my mind. They're, they are watching every move that everybody is taking, which is why they are, you know, susceptible to, they're self-conscious. Gotcha. Um, they're, yeah, they're super self-conscious because they're, they're wondering, like, should I follow that person? Should I follow that person? Um, and it's way more obvious now because of social media, because you literally follow people. <laughs> um, you can see who their influencers are based off who they follow on Instagram. Or <laughs> now there are literally people whose jobs are only influencers, yeah. which is a weird. Yeah. And I, I asked this question oh. to the students um, when we were, it was like early fall. And I said, who, who is your biggest influencer in life? Um, and a lot of the younger kids will say their parents, but as they got older, it, it was really interesting to hear who the kids would pick. They'd either say, I don't know, um, some sort of friend or somebody they follow on social media or some star or whoever that is. But this is, this is backed up by Dan Siegel, who uh, wrote the book uh, Brainstorm, The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain. He says, high school is the ultimate testing ground for such balancing acts of relationships, tests of attachment to parents, and new attachments to friends. Hmm. What does that make you think of? It makes me think of um, there's a family in our youth group that they send their kids to public school for elementary school and then private for high school from seventh grade on. And one time I asked them about that. I was like, why do y'all do that that way? Because it was like clearly a decision. It wasn't just like, oh, this would be convenient. It was like, no, we made that decision. And it made me think of the dad telling me like the most powerful voice in an elementary school kid's life is their parent. It still holds a lot of weight. They still listen and they still want that voice. And they said that they realized like when they got older, the most influential voice in a teenager's life are their friends. And that um, 
not that they don't listen to their parents, but that shift is so real that like you have that foundation, but the people who you listen to the most or that you crave the most to know, like, what do you think about this issue or, or me are your friends and maybe not even your friends, just the people around you. So it makes me think of that, but it also makes me think like, and as we always say, being a parent, I'm just like, oh gosh, Lord, I just want to pray for the people who are going to be Jack and Luke's friends. Like, those people are going to hold such a powerful place in their lives. So I'm like, Ooh, yeah, they're good friends. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that that shift, and that that's definitely a marker of maturity when a a student or a teenager begins to shift their authority um, focus from their parents to their peers. Uh, but it's also um, a an unhealthy thing in some sense of are they completely leaving their parents behind as authority figures? Um, and that, that makes me think about like my childhood and like how I looked to for guidance uh, growing up. And I really did look to my friends more than my parents or other adults in my life to establish um, decisions or guidance or influence in my life. And that made me think like, the Lord was protecting me. That actually is like peers are great, but they shouldn't be my authority or be my main influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so like thinking about like a lot of bad decisions I made in my teenage years, it wasn't because my parents said, hey, it's okay for you to do that. It was me, me going to my friends saying, should I do this? Yeah. The amount of times like, hey, should I jump off this roof? Yeah, my friends are like, yeah, man, Why do not? it. Let's do this. <laughs> and you know the the amount of times I should have broken a bone and never did, or even died and never did, is just remarkable. Um, and I spent a lot of my teenage years, you know, unmonitored in that sense. Like I didn't have a ton of authority. You know, I was a part of a lot of sports programs, and my parents were always there and always present. But at the same time, I had established my authority with my peers and that, that can be really dangerous. What, what was it like for you, Susan? (laughs) I was just thinking about one of the dumbest things I ever did was a friend who had huge influence in me was, um, we decided to pierce our own belly buttons together. Yeah. With a safety pin. With a safety pin. And, um, I, we knew our parents would kill us if they knew. Yeah. And we did it at her house and I'm from Alabama and her, her parents were huge Alabama fans and yeah. I went to every game with her. So we had done it on a Friday night and then we went to a game the next day. And I remember being like, I don't even think I can sit up. Cause I mean, we, they were probably horribly infected. Oh. <laughs> did you heat them up beforehand? No, we put ice on them. I, ice? I don't know. Why ice? I don't know. Ugh. I don't know. But just thinking about like, the dumb things, but that then became hidden. Yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, you know, I think my parents still had a big authority in my life, but also like because of that, yeah, it's weird how that can be held closely with shame or, mm. or like I want to hide because you do have authority in my life and I don't want to disappoint you. So I'm not going to tell you about this thing that you would disapprove of. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you hold that balance together when you're growing yeah. up of like, I respect my parents and I know their values and they would not agree with this. So I can't tell them. Um, So it's almost like you're looking to your friends for approval because you know, they're going to judge you less. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think for me it was more um, 
it wasn't that my parents didn't have authority anymore, but I think that did create in me a, um, a hiddenness and a, a desire to still like push that envelope, but then hide those things from the authority. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, I knew how they felt about it. So yeah. It was like, eh. Yeah. It's teenage years and the adolescent years are definitely testing waters. Um, of figuring out like who can I trust mm -hmm. and for some reason when we make that shift from our authority structure being our parents uh, people who we can trust to all of a sudden our peers become the most trustworthy people mm -hmm. on the sole fact that they're not going to judge me mm -hmm. if I do something wrong and they're not going to punish me like, yeah there's no consequence yeah let's say you go to your friend and you're like I've made this huge mistake yeah they might be like, that was dumb, but yeah. they're not going to be like, I'm taking your iPhone away from you. You know, like there's no consequence. So yeah. It's so safe. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's really interesting and makes me, it makes me think of the fall mm -hmm. in the first place. So like in Genesis three, mm -hmm. we, you know, when, when humanity first rebelled, um, let me just, let me just read when we first sinned. Um, so if we're, we're in Genesis three, um, verse 1 through 6. And so this is what happened. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and who was with her, and he ate. This is why, you know, a lot of people will say, Adam and Eve were in their adolescent stage. Does that not <laughs> yeah. sound, you know, um, like a shift in authority? Mm -hmm. Isn't that, that crazy where, mm -hmm. you know, Eve is talking to the serpent. So you're all, all of a sudden you're talking to somebody different. And that wasn't in and of itself sinful. But the authority figure shifted for her. Somebody she was supposed to have rule and reign over, which earlier in Genesis 1 and 2 we find like man is meant to rule over the beast. And here she is listening to the beast as some sort of authority over her. Mm. And the fall is when she chooses to abide in him, the serpent, over God, the creator. And, and then she turns to her peer and her peer trusts her over what God said. Because Adam heard the same thing that Eve heard, and he chose to listen to his peer. So all of a sudden, the authority structure of humanity is just flipped. Those that were meant to have uh, authority over man, which is God, and those that man was supposed to have authority over, which was the animals, um, has now flipped. Now the serpent has authority over humanity, and now... You know, then we have the the rest of scripture trying to restore that, mm -hmm. and so that 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 in and of itself makes me think of adolescence in the the sense of going through middle school and high school, as they're being confronted by the serpent day in and day out mm -hmm. of 
who are you going to trust now? Are you going to trust God as your ultimate authority or are you going to trust the culture? And are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen to your peer before you listen to your parents? Mm-hmm. When and where it most often occurs is, yeah, teenagers are going to listen to the upside down authority structure that we're not supposed to live by. Mm-hmm. And that that's destructive. Me and you, we just both talked about, you know, many times we, we could have been hurt or died because we listen to our peers above our parents. And above what we probably already knew was a good or bad decision. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, back to Dan Siegel. This is what he says on this on this matter. He, um, I don't know if Dan Siegel is a Christian. I have no idea. He's a professor at UCLA. Um, he's, he's like one of the leading um, scholars on the the brain science of teenagers. But this is what he says. And he's talking about what it was like for a teenager to grow up in a different culture or in a different time. Like they grew up in a village like years ago when villages were worldwide. Um, and he says, when it comes to village life for the teen, during time, um, he or she is pushing against parents. That's normal is what he's saying. Like when you hit your teenage years, it's normal to push against your parents because you're testing your authority structure. There would be other adults in the tribe to whom the team could the teen could turn to for security and connection. But when the only close adult is your parent, the natural way to go in adolescence is entirely toward other adolescents. Hmm. Where does that take us? Where does it take me? Like, where's my mind going? Well, yeah, where's your mind going? But where does that take us as like, hum- like humanity as, as people? And when we, we completely disregard the authority that raised us mm-hmm. and created us. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I kind of derailed because I was just thinking, like, what a sweet plug for youth ministry. Yeah, <laughs> that, know, that, like, that's exactly, that's yeah. That's what I was, I was yeah. like, you know, it it really is cool yeah. how much, uh, I mean, and I'm saying this not because I do this job, but because I think about this all the time for my boys of, I pray that they have people in their lives when they're this old that, they love that are like our friend, you know, like yeah. you. Yeah. That is not me or Kent that will say the same thing in a way that they can hear it. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. we're saying the same things parents are saying, but for some reason, when it's not your mom or dad, you hear it, which I I don't, I've, as you're talking, I'm like, I wonder why that is. Like, I wonder why you do want that distance from your main authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone could say the same thing and just because just on the fact that they're not your parent, yeah. you might be like, you're right. I totally, that's true. You know, I'm like, that's just so interesting. It's like, you still need that distance and you're still finding your independence. But the truth from another adult is really powerful. Yeah. So yeah. And that, I mean, what's incredible about all this and I love reading stuff like this is, it's not just like a youth worker or somebody just saying that the, the science is literally backing this up now. Um, the power of having other adults in a teenager's life and not just like um, a teacher or, or a coach. There can be teachers and there can be coaches, but the, the role specifically of a youth worker is to be that person, is to be that middle ground in between the parent and the kid saying, hey, we're still authority in your life because we're adults. Um, we're not your parents, and we're not your peer. 
it's always a joy to hear a kid come to us when they're concerned about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love being that bridge in between. You know, they tell me something and they confide confide in me. I ask, do your parents know this? And they say no. And I'm like, cool. But then I'll like turn and be like, hey, if it's like really concerning, I'll, I'll talk to the parents. And that's what it's meant to be as he talks about this tribe of people having more authority, healthy authority, and a teenager's life is going to be for a healthy life way down the road because um, they're going to see that as valuable because they need to recognize as a teenager. And, and Dan talks about, like I know him, I don't know him, Dan Siegel. Dan, <laughs> Dan yeah, my friend Dan. He, he talks about like the, one of the most powerful things that a teenager can do is have time to reflect and to, to really think and process like who um, is speaking into their lives, whether like a physical person or nowadays, you know, somebody on the internet, which we talked about in our previous episode, like the power of the internet and what that does to the teenage brain and person. And, and they need to realize like, who can I trust? Because right now they're trying to figure it out. Like who, who is worth trusting um, for a lifelong journey of influence um, and so we, this is not like a selfish blog about youth work. There are incredible adults and it could be anybody in the church really. Um, that is willing, we're just, we're here trying to be as consistent as possible and not looking to ourselves as ultimate authority, but first pointing these kids to their parents and making sure that their families are looking towards Christ as the ultimate authority. So stepping all the way back, like, is their authority structure starting with Jesus and working its way down rather than starting with peers and working their way up? You know, um, so much of a teenager's authority structure is completely upside down. So, again, if, if you, you go on um, and read what Dan Siegel says, he says finding this is what he's like, this is what you should do with this. Finding a network of supportive relationships for parents. So parents finding people that they can work with. Um, to help raise their child is really important, um, seems crucial in giving us the reflective space to move through adolescence. So if you're really struggling to raise a teenager, as we all do, the best thing you can do is have a good relationship with other parents of teenagers and with other people that are in the lives of your teenager. So that could be a coach, that could be a teacher, that could be a youth worker, that could be an, an elder in the church, whatever it is as long as somebody is consistent and speaking a, a good message to this kid. Um, and that's why, you know, our purpose statement in the youth ministry is advocates of the gospel in the lives of teens. That's our sole purpose. That's what we, we live for and we try to do. So um, if we're to continue on in Scripture, there's a few other things that we want to make sure. We want to give all, you all this to put in your pocket as you're trying to wonder what to do or where to go with this. Um, Proverbs is just of wisdom. I mean, it's part of the wisdom literature, and it talks a lot about having good friends and having good peers and people in their lives. Um, so I just pulled one that's Proverbs thirteen twenty. Um, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. This obviously was written, you know, after the fall of man. And so this is after Genesis 3, um, and this is God providing wisdom to his people, like how to navigate life in a sinful world. That's basically what Proverbs is, like how to navigate a good life in a sinful world before Christ. So 
right? Um, and that that made me think of a, f- a few things. and says, one, we need to pick good friends. Do your, do your kids have good friends? Can you trust them? Do you know them? Two, do they know proper authority? Do your kids understand where they should get information from? Like the best place to get information from. And three, which is the most important, keeping a, re- a relationship with God. Um, Adam and Eve walked with the serpent and not with God for a moment, and that was destructive. Also made me think, like, what does it mean to walk with somebody? So it's not, it's not necessarily bad to, to have a friend or to be with somebody who's a fool, but this talks about walking with someone. When you hear that, Susan, when I say you, walking with um, the wise, what do you hear when I say walk? Just like truly side-by-side life like walking with someone feels much more intimate than just casual relationship like when I think about walking I guess the first thing that made me think of it is like when I have been personally in um struggle or sorrow or like in the worst times of my life and the best I think of those who have walked with me like that's what came to me first and those feel like a much more intimate place of when you're walking with someone it's like you're walking down the same road you're side by side yeah there's even I'm I'm taking that very literally but walking with someone is a shoulder to shoulder eye in this you're facing the same direction yeah (laughs) yeah um you're facing the same thing the same goal um that's what I think of well, yeah, and to walk with like to walk with somebody and you're in front of them would be weird. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, at that point, yeah. you're either competing against them. You know, you're trying to get to the finish line first. I'm a runner, so that's what I <laughs> initially think when you're in front of someone or 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 behind somebody. And to walk side by side. Here's another thing that I I love seeing on runners like to run with somebody and be side by side with them is awesome, and that's why I love this sport. Is mm-hmm. you literally run beside somebody. But now the common like thing that I see is people running side by side, but with headphones in. <laughs> I'm like, so weird. Yeah, it's really, really common. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you running together? That doesn't make any sense. That is weird. Yeah, because runners are notorious. I love the sport because you just, um, you go for, when I was in college, I go for a two-hour run. And I got super close with my teammates because we literally just talked for two hours every single day about anything. And that's why we're so bonded. Like other sports bond for different reasons, but runners, they bond and get super close because they literally just talk Talk all all practice. You know, you obviously can't talk all the time when you're running really, really hard. But in the times when you're doing like a long run. (laughs) If you're running with me, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. How do you talk and run? It's like, well, you build up to it. So, yeah, walking is, is meant. It's actually, you know, there actually is science behind moving and thinking and processing Mm. helps you process more when you're in a movement there's like an old jewish technique to to memorize the torah while you're reading they have you rock back and forth it looks really weird that is so interesting yeah you can like google like rabbis studying the torah torah and it's like this school of rabbis in a room Mm. it's like black and white and they're all reading the torah out loud which is another thing and rocking back and forth like a hundred of them just and it look they look insane they look insane (laughs) but they've actually come to to find out that that actually helps you take in information a whole lot deeper than Mm. just thinking about it and just sitting there 
So when you're moving, this is why I take like almost like nightly walks. It helps me process a whole lot better when I'm moving for some reason. Yeah, walks are helpful for me too. Yeah, saying that. Uh-huh. and it's it's also like less intimidating when you're walking mm-hmm. side by side. You don't have to look somebody in the eye. Mm-hmm. We tend to be more vulnerable. You're more vulnerable when your blood is pumping and you're more vulnerable when you don't have to like watch somebody's nonverbals the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So when you read Proverbs 13, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but whoever walks with the fools becomes a fool themselves. Yeah, uh, you're headed the same place. Yeah, you're headed. Depending who you're Yeah, totally. Um, so you can, you know, come across fools. You can um, even befriend fools, but don't walk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so chew on, chew on that. If you take anything from this podcast, chew on who you're walking with. Um, there's ton more scripture, Susan. Was there anything that you were, that came to mind for you um, when I when I tasked you th- with this topic? Yeah, uh, John just gave me the topic, and I was thinking about this really weird thing that happened at camp one time. I, I worked at an all girls camp for years, and it's so funny how certain things I would say become contagious. <laughs> like everything we've just talked about, whether it's like obsession with a brand or whatever, but the image that came to my mind, and if y'all can think about camp, camp everywhere is, um, you know, there's no paved roads. It's like gravel or the place where I did camp. Everything's like a path through the woods. So there's like roots sticking out. So it's a very inconvenient place to not be wearing tennis shoes, you know, like you wear close to shoes. Anyways, this group of girls, one person in their cabin sprained their ankle and then had crutches, which is super annoying at camp. And somehow, like, every other girl in their cabin started having ankle problems. And no. I, it was so ridiculous because yeah. everybody thought, I don't know if you'll ever struggle with this, but, like, I remember thinking braces were cool when I was younger. You learned very quickly they're not. They're super cool. What are you talking about? <laughs> feels so cool when you don't have them. But it was this phenomenon of this girl was getting so much attention from hobbling around camp with crutches that suddenly it looked really attractive. And then there's all these dumb girls hopping around camp trying to pretend like they had broken ankles. And I was like, that is the epitome of what we're talking about. <laughs> like that, that image, I could just see them where they were hopping in front of the infirmary, like holding onto trees, trying to get places cause they had all hurt their ankles. And, um, the, <laughs> The, the scripture that came to me when John said that, and I immediately thought of those girls, it's in Romans 12. This is Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I just thought, that's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to not be conformed by the world that you actually have to do work for your mind to be transformed. Like that's, that's yeah. not a passive place, no. you know? And I even love that it says, um, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind and that by testing, it, like testing, like what is, what is that? Like, yeah, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, and, and looking to say, like, what is acceptable? What is perfect? What is God's will? And testing those things and asking those questions when you're making decisions because that's not something that we practice doing very well. Yeah. Like, 
that's not something, I mean, even as an adult, I don't necessarily always say like, let me sit down for this decision and really think about yeah, what is, what is the best thing here? What is, I mean, obviously big decisions, but you know, like yeah. thinking through that really could be a practice to really sit yeah. and say like, how do I do this? Yeah. Again, reflection. Yeah. is yeah. so important. Yeah. And so I'm, that was the thing that came to my mind the most of like to battle this is actually having your mind transformed. Mm, like that's a yeah. huge undertaking. Yeah. And so that's what came to my mind first. Yeah. And well, it also makes me think of the word conform, like do not conform, which implies the, the fact that um, the world has the majority vote right now. <laughs> um, and so he's stating like it's really easy to conform. Um, and it's going to be really hard to resist the ways of the world. And it's going to be really hard to establish proper authority structures um, because the way of the world wants, and this is what Satan wanted, um, he wants you to listen to the ways of the fool because he is the ways of the fool. Um, and he's going to want you to look to your peers above adults or to God um, because your peers um, without unless you, the, your peers are, are wise, um, which is why you need good friends. Mm -hmm. If they're not, um, they're more than likely going to conform you to the world. And so uh, sometimes, a lot of ways, and this talks over and over in Scripture, is to conform to Christ is to stand out. You're not going to look like everybody else. And that's what's so hard about it is because we want mm -hmm. to be people pleasers. Mm -hmm which is why, you know, we buy certain products that we didn't want to buy um, because we want to just like be well, like please people and we want to just create no conflict. Um, but Paul and Jesus and everybody in scripture that was had the proper authority structure looking to God first was resisting the way that the world was. Mm -hmm. I, I was talking about this with you before we started recording was I love going out with my D group. Um, because so many people look at us trying to figure <laughs> out who we are. I'm clearly not anybody's dad there because the age gap is not that not big. big yeah. But I'm old enough for them to think like this guy's clearly an adult and these are clearly teenagers. Mm -hmm. Why are these young adults hanging out with these teenagers? And it's really interesting. And I love just watching the world react to us. Um, and some people are like, I want that. Like, how come I never had that? Um, some people are just straight up like, what is this group? What do you guys do? And I love answering that question. And that's a way for even like, for even us as a youth group to make an impact saying like, you do not only have to have parents as authority, you can have other healthy adults um, as authority that you are, need other you need adults. other adults and all yeah. of our parents that send their kids over and over and over again to youth stuff. We thank you because we get to participate in a proper authority structure, which is just awesome. Mm -hmm. So Susan, I want you to wrap all this up in a bow. <laughs> how can, how can you summarize everything we've just said? <laughs> like take out three nuggets. Um, well, gosh, that's so hard because I wish I had time to reflect. And yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, I think when you were talking about the fool, I just thought about it's so hard because 
it feels so funny saying this word, but it's like cool is still a thing. Do you know, like what is cool is still just as much a temptation as it was for anyone. And um, I think at one nugget, just taking away of like the path of the wise is hard. And to impart that into our students and to our children that um, this is something that God's called us to. Yeah. And we know that it's not easy that yeah. that everything we just <laughs> like the verse from Proverbs, the verse from Romans, like these are not things that are like, awesome. <laughs> Got yeah. it. No yeah. problem. Um, so calling our students and our kids to something that's hard, but that like, when they're in the hard, they're not in it alone. That it is so important to be present as an authority structure, but to as the authority structure keep pointing them to other trusted, yeah, solid voices to say, "Man, you're you seem like you're really struggling with this. Let's go talk to, well, or why don't you grab coffee with blah blah? You know, like yeah. how as a parent, you know." you play us a huge role in helping everything we just said come true of like helping them want a voice of somebody else, because I don't think you naturally crave, especially like, you know, if that's not first on their mind to share with their D group leader of like, you know, setting up structures for them to trust someone else and to have that kind of relationship where it's not forced and it like actually makes sense to talk to somebody. Um, So I'd say, you know, the role of other healthy, wise adults is so important. I don't know. I guess I just keep thinking how hard this is, how this is such a timeless. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. All the way back to Genesis. Yes. It's like when you were describing that, I was like, that is so true. It's like all the same players are in place. Yeah. And I think for students to believe there's actually a battle, but there's actually an authority that like really loves them. And what he says is, actually really good for them it's for their flourishing and not for them to feel stifled or deprived yeah um yeah i don't know that that was a bow yeah (laughs) yeah no it's gonna feel weird if if they're not already living this life of proper authority structure it's gonna feel weird to flip it back over um it's not gonna feel normal um i often like to think like i press towards students like what do you think you are gonna be like with having no, with nothing inhibiting you. Mm. Um, like you only know yourself as a sinful being. You, you only know yourself. And I always like to use the analogy of like, you've always been sick. What do you think you would be capable of if you weren't sick? Just think about like accomplishing any physical task mm. while you have a cold. You can do it. It doesn't feel good. Mm. But then you try to do the same task when you're feeling healthy Man, you can like blow it out of the water, <laughs> yeah. and that's what well, that's what we're holding up against ourselves. But the the resistance of making the shift can be hard, mm-hmm. um, and you're constantly going to be battling. And when you're in that teenage years, you're trying to figure out which one's more important, mm-hmm. that influencer, which influencer is more important in my life. Um, and so that is why one of the most key factors for engaging with students and teenagers and adolescents is consistency. Mm-hmm. They are going to see people come and go all the time. And the thing that sticks out in a teenager's mind is who was there the whole time? Mm -hmm. Usually parents, Mm -hmm. sometimes not. Youth workers, that's our goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other people that were there, coaches, 
teachers, but even then coaches and teachers are only limited to the classroom and the playing field. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe nobody, mm -hmm. uh, but their friends. Usually their friends are there the whole, the whole time. And that's why, you know, leaving high school is so hard. Um, they have to leave <laughs> all, all of their authority behind. Um, but what I try to remind parents all the time is we need to establish best authority among Jesus and then second best authority among parents because the parents are going to be the second best authority in their life that will be there mm -hmm. all the way through their life, mm -hmm. whether they want it or not. <laughs> you know, we're talking about this very like out there. I mean, not for us, but because this is our job, but like out there thought of like other adults. And I was just thinking, you know, I just want to encourage people who are listening, some of the biggest players in my life, because I didn't have, like, a mentor. I didn't have a youth yeah. leader that meant anything to me. <laughs> Sounds so harsh. Wow. I, <laughs> I had some, but they were horrible I didn't, people. No. <laughs> I didn't have any. I, did, <laughs> I didn't have any. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was thinking about <laughs> my friend who I pierced my belly button with. Yeah. Um, I was at her house all the time, and her parents were always around. They weren't in our business like it was one of those things I think that is going to be such a fine line to play as a parent mm -hmm. um but I remember her mom was always available and she was always around doing her own thing she might be like reading in the kitchen or like cooking up a snack but she wasn't like I don't she was just available yeah. but she wasn't like serving us you know it wasn't like here's a snack what are you doing what do you want to do now like can I help you it wasn't like yeah. that's how I would be kind of like what do you guys need do you want to talk you yeah know? um and just her consistent presence and availability was someone she was someone I knew I could talk to and I knew I could trust and just I just want to leave on that of like, don't underestimate your power as a parent in other kids. Like, you know, like yeah. that it doesn't have to be this super structured, like I'm yeah. opening my Bible with you. Yeah. Of like, it's amazing what somebody just being available and someone who loves you yeah. can, can play in your, in your life. And I'm like, you know, those people, probably had no idea what they meant to me and they really meant something big to me and yeah. they didn't do a lot. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it doesn't have to be this big thing. So I also just yeah. want to leave that as we leave this for parents of like, you probably have kids in your house and you know, just yeah. being around is such a good thing. Yeah. Um, it could be a really powerful thing for yeah. somebody. I'm, I'm going to push a hard button here. And in this context is there, and I'm not, I'm not, pointing at anybody in our ministry or anything like that. I'm just pointing at West County in general. Um, and we've been in West County for a while, um, both Susan and I. And one of the biggest things is most of these kids are provided for materially, but the physical presence of their parents are non-existent. Mm -hmm. And then on that, the emotional presence of parents are non-existent. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm generalizing West County, but that is what I see. It's so, like, if the money is there consistently, that, that doesn't mean anything. Money is a material thing. Mm -hmm. um, it can neither influence or anything. It, the influence comes from the person behind the money. Mm -hmm. um, and so to be a better influencer for a kid is to just consistently be present in their life. And then once that is done, then you have the emotional capital to speak into their life. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, 
our, our ministry is established in the sense of middle school years is establishing consistent relationship. And then by high school, then we have the emotional capital to really speak in on some really big things. Um, so it really does take a lot, like three years of consistent yes, engagement totally. with a student for them to say like, okay, I can trust this adult, this other adult in my life with these things. Um, and that's why middle school looks squirrely. And one that is because the kids are squirrely, but it's also like, they're just, we just have to get them comfortable with other adults that aren't their parents yeah. or not even their teachers or whoever. This is just, we're different. Um, and so that's why you see middle school in the way that you do. So I'm going to leave you all with this. I'm going to leave you with a couple of questions for y'all to really think about as we're closing out. Um, one, influence is inevitable. And here's some questions. Who are your kids' influencers? Does your child have a healthy view of authority? First Jesus, then parents, then other trusted adults, then peers. And then outside of parents and peers, who knows your child? Like who walks with your child? Um, is it only peers? Is it other adults? So I want you all to take that home. Think about it. Sit on it. Um, don't flip everything immediately. Um, but we pray hope that, it. yeah, pray about it. We hope this is helpful. Look to scripture. It's all over the place. Um, upside down authority structures, um, which is why when you get to Luke, y'all are doing a Bible study, why it's an upside down kingdom that Jesus establishes. It looks upside down because the world has made what is upside down look like right side up. So weird. The Bible is awesome. So that's it. Student ministry for parents. Jumping off the bridge, episode two. Super fun. Super fun. Let us know of your questions. 